0: Hi everyone, I'm Nase Desanders of Borrowing Tape, and today I am here with Jordan Graham, the writer and director of the latest horror film, Seder, which follows a secluded family under the constant watch of a supernatural entity who intends to claim them. Seder comes out on February 9th, so be sure to have a look. Thank you so much for joining us, Jordan. Thank you. So let's hop right in. So Jordan, you were not only the writer and director on this project, but also the film cinematographer, editor, and you even did the music. So I have a huge respect for jack of all trades types. How did you do it?
1: Well, one step at a time. <laughs> I, there was a lot I had to learn
0: mm-hmm. while
1: I was going along. Like I've been make, making projects forever, but actually shooting the cinematography that came kind of natural to me. As far as like doing the sound and coloring the film when it was over I had to learn that as as I was going along so um but uh yeah I also built the cabin and oh wow uh, and yeah
0: yeah that's amazing so were there a lot of people on set or was it it was just you running around uh
1: so I shot for 120 days for a majority of those days it was just myself and one or two of the actors uh, about 10 of those days I had had one person assist me with basic tasks like was, uh, like if there was a fire that I started uh, somebody wow. was there holding a hose or like I had to shoot from a back of a truck once and uh, then there was one day where I had three people help me and that was a, a dangerous day that I couldn't have done by myself oh, so, uh, yeah there was a lot of days it was just by myself too
0: wow so did yeah. you always plan on taking up all these roles
1: or was it more out of necessity? Necessity. There's a lot of, there was a lot of reasons. There's three main reasons. One was uh, budget restraints. I don't like using people unless I have something to offer them. That was one. Another one is that it's really hard to get noticed in this industry. So I wanted to do something in a very unique way and, and have a, the most unique possible story I could, can t- could tell. And then, the other reason was I had a really hard time getting financing for the film and I tried doing crowdfunding and that didn't work out, which is fine, but I was in kind of like a low spot and I had uh, local filmmakers in my area that was like, Oh, I'd like to give you advice. And I was like, I love it. Like, let's uh, give me advice. And their advice meant basically talking down to me and telling me that, uh, in order me, in order for me to make a film of quality, I need to have this, I need to have this. And like, yes, I would. Love that, but I don't have the means of getting that. And you're basically telling me I'm not good enough to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I decided basically then is like, if I ever get financing for this film or if I ever get a chance to make this film, I'm going to do it myself and prove to you and prove to other filmmakers that like you can make a film of quality and um, you don't need a whole bunch of people to do it. I don't recommend anybody do what I did like that was seven years of on my own and it took a toll on me. so uh, I mean I'm glad I'm glad I did it, but I'll never do it again. so
0: <laughs> that's awesome I've de- yeah. I've worked on the film festival circuit for a bit and I definitely know what you're talking about. There is definitely that air of like, well, I did it, so you know so I'm glad that you it yeah. wrong. I like it.
1: Yeah, well yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, hopefully it worked <laughs> out. hopefully people. It and, yeah. yeah it's a
0: super funky film so, so i read that cedar was yeah, it, post-production it, for almost six years what was that editing process like
1: i started the film in june 2015 is when i started shooting mm-hmm. and i finished 2016 so uh as far as shooting goes Yeah, so the process though, I went into special effects first for the uh, right after that, and it took only about a week to do the special effects because most of the stuff was in camera. So I had a lot of like uh, Photoshop and After Effects, so that was fine. Uh, But then I went to coloring the film, and that took a thousand hours because I had to learn the software. And then from that, then I went to sound design, and sound design was the most tedious and exhausting part so like everything you hear in the film besides my grandmother speaking everything that you hear I had to do in post-production so like every every cloth every little clicking and and mouth going like that and uh every little breath a lot of the breathing a lot of the other actors breathing in the film was actually my breath and um it took a year and four months to record just just the audio and then I had to learn how to how to uh, mix it in 5.1. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a long process for yeah.
0: sure. And you're definitely
1: walking out of this with a lot of new skills. So. Yeah, I think, no, I do, again, I don't want to, I'd rather not mess with audio again. I don't think I would want to be grading a, a feature film again. And I lose my memory of like, sometimes I'd have to go back. Again, I told you at the beginning, like I, I did things in steps mm-hmm. and I'd have to learn it. And then I would go back on certain things and totally forgot how I, like with some special effects shot, I would have to go back and relearn how to do it again. Or with coloring, I would forget. So I feel like I just, I have a good knowledge of how I want things to look and sound. And so when, if I ever do work with like a team of people, I'll be able to help work with them and direct them because I know exactly what I would want things to look and sound like.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So where did this story come from? I understand it's a very personal story. What was your inspiration
1: for writing the script? Like, yeah, that, that, that question is always like, it's there's so many different inspirations. And I mean, the main one is my grandmother, but that didn't even come until I was actually shooting the film. So my grandmother in 1968, she brought home a Ouija board and she conjured up an entity named Seder. And throughout that summer, so three months of being with him doing something called automatic writings, which is where she had a, like a glass of gin in one hand and a pen in another hand and just let Seder speak through her. And she would write down what he said. So at the end of that three months, she ended up in a psychiatric hospital uh, because of that. And I didn't know any of this before I was making the film. So I started shooting the, the film with a script that I already had. And since We decided to use her cabin or i decided to use her cabin or sorry her uh house as a location for the film i was like let's get a quick cameo with her in the film let's just put her in the film for a little bit um and then i'll be able to like memorialize her and and that was it and so uh i uh the actor uh michael daniel who plays pete in the film I had him, I told him that we're going to do an improvisational scene with my grandmother. You're going to meet her on camera for the first time. You're going to pretend to be the grandson and maybe talk about spirits uh, because she likes talking about spiritual stuff and, and just go from there. And so we started the scene and then she, that's when she randomly started talking about the voices that were in her head and the automatic writings. So, and I have never heard of that. I never heard of her automatic writings before. So after that day was done, I went home and I was reviewing the footage and it's like, what is this automatic writings? And then I started doing research on my family's history and, and her with the, with the voices in her head and I would go back and shoot more. I was like, I, I was like, I have to, uh, I have to put this in the film. Like this is so personal and so unique and uh, I have to have to pursue this more. So I, uh, Um, went back to my grandmother, shot more footage with her, uh, went back home, tried putting in the film, but you can never, when you're, when you're, uh, with her, you can't tell her what to say and you have no idea what she's going to be talking about. So a lot of the things she would say would not work in the current story that I already had. So I'd have to go home and rewrite, uh, spend a week, uh, take a week break and just rewrite what she just said into this film. And then I'd go back and shoot, and the same cycle would happen. So that happened probably like five times or so. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how the inspiration. I mean, it was, it was evolving the whole the whole time. The story just kept evolving throughout the process of this film.
0: Wow so at times the film was shot like a home movie and at times the screen format would change
1: were these real home movies
0: and could you tell us a little bit about those places?
1: yeah so uh originally there was going to be like a flashback scene in the film and I wanted to shoot it in 16 millimeter or not no, not even that a high eight or a, a super eight but I didn't know how to um I have never messed with film before and Um, it would be too expensive and so my mom got a bunch of old Hi8 tapes uh transferred to dvd and i was just looking through them i wasn't looking for anything for the film i was just watching them and i ended up coming to a birthday scene uh and from like 20 something 25 years ago and like i'm in it but i'm uh i don't like i don't know like i was five or six uh, something along maybe maybe nine i don't know uh but uh uh, I'm watching this scene or I'm watching this footage and uh, the ha- my grandmother's house, it, it was in my grandmother's house and it looked, the house looks exactly the same. And what w- and my grandmother, uh, like everything was set up perfectly already. Like my grandmother was on one side and my, my grandfather was on the other side. And then I had this scene in the middle that I could create my own scene. And uh, so I went out and I bought the same, or uh, I made the same cake or a similar looking cake. I made similar looking presents. I bought the same camera and I bought the same Hi8 tape. And uh, I shot a scene around that footage. I shot my own birthday scene and was able to incorporate this 25, six, seven, eight year old footage into the, into that flashback scene. And I love the quality so much of that camera that I ended up, uh, Just, I kept shooting with it, uh, seeing if I could put any of it in the film at all, so.
0: Wow, that is super, that's definitely, that's movie magic right there. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And then like, even like at the end of the film, like the credits where she's just speaking, like that's, I film that later and um, Mm -hmm. yeah, anyways. That's
0: awesome. So where was the film shot? Those creepy, foggy woods were absolutely beautiful.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, shot in Santa Cruz mountains. So I live in a, like a suburban area or er, in um, Santa Cruz, California, and we have forests like 40 minutes away. And a lot of it was just shot off right at the side of the road. Cause I had to carry all the, all the gear and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the snow was in Yosemite Valley in California. The snow was uh, uh, only two days of shooting. So most uh, like 118 other days was in in the santa cruz mountains so.
0: cool so the Seder has a signature sound like a type of screech how did you come up with and make that sound
1: oh i wish i had it here <laughs> um i was actually looking for it earlier one second hang on. okay yeah i don't i don't know where it is i was looking for it earlier it's a it was a death whistle like there's something called like an aztec death death whistle where they would blow into it before I don't I guess like to scare other other villagers or um but I found like a on Etsy I think I found this whistle thing and you blow into it and it makes that sound yeah
0: cool so,
1: yeah and I had it I was looking for it earlier so I was gonna like possibly somebody asked about it because no one's asked about it yet on these interviews I was mm-hmm. like oh I'll blow it but oh <laughs> anyway.
0: that's super cool were you looking specifically for something like that or did you just happen upon it
1: originally it was going to be a uh, the sound was going to be a deer a whistle like hunting deer but that sound is just a bunch of popping sound it, it didn't it didn't sound good so i was like okay i need to find something that's a little bit more haunting i guess yeah.
0: so could you tell us a little bit about the satyr's design it looks super cool and like
1: oddly real. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so I am. Um, yeah off Etsy again. I bought a whole bunch of um, uh, animal pelts and bones, and it was like I only built one costume because it cost too much. But it was like uh, there's like sixty dead animals on on one costume, and there was like uh, four coyote pelts on one arm, and I had like a bull and. Uh, a lot of like each hand had a had mice on it with uh, raccoon jaws and uh uh yeah and I just put it together with rope basically I went and bought some uh, rope and I tied it together and uh yeah was that was that what you're asking
0: yeah um, definitely okay yeah yeah, yeah
1: they're really animals yeah. that's
0: cool So being that it's so personal, does the idea of Seder scare you personally and was making this film at all cathartic for you?
1: Um, uh, Seder did not scare me personally. Seder to me was just a mental health thing going on with my grandmother. Uh, That's what I believe. My my mother thinks he was a, a wonderful guardian. My my uh, aunt thinks he's Satan but I just think it was just like my grandmother was was um, diagnosed with schizophrenia back back in the day so I just I think it was just a, a mental health thing what was the other question with that um, you had two there
0: was making
1: the film at all cathartic for you um, no <laughs> <laughs> cathartic no it was stressful I mean well not stressful. I, the whole film, it was so tedious. Like, you know, I worked on this thing for seven years and it wasn't, I, the film wasn't exactly hard, I guess, to make, uh, but it, but it was just really, really, really tedious. And, um, and when you're locked away, I was in isolation for about five years, four years with this project, didn't talk to anybody. So, no it that it wasn't it wasn't very cathartic at all uh, it's, it was cathartic when it was finished yeah. and being and being able to like uh, show it to people and having interviews like this that to me is I guess cathartic
0: yeah so which films and directors have had an impact on you as a filmmaker and particularly on your film Seder
1: I'll just say with Seder Seder had a lot again it took seven years to make uh, I had a lot of inspirations throughout the the process of it so like the very beginning my first inspiration was true detective the first season of true detective uh carrie fukunaga uh directed that season that was a huge inspiration and then another one was uh jeremy solnier uh who, his a uh, blue ruin movie that was mm. a major inspiration because he uh, just how much he gave to that film uh himself and how he put his house up for mortgage to make it and what did he do he did uh, he refinanced his house i think to to make it uh those were two major inspirations as just getting into the just trying to get the film made and then while i was making it jonathan glazer so under the skin was a big influence Mm. uh what else there was the very last shot of the movie had a little david david lynch's rabbits was in there um another one is uh, like only god forgives so nicholas winding rafen and then uh So that was while shooting it, and then like post production, like The Witch, and uh, so Robert Eggers and Ari Aster, and uh, yeah. So I I get a lot of inspirations and directors as as I go along. Mm -hmm.
0: So kind of an offset of that question: What are some of your favorite films from the past decade?
1: Past decade, oh, uh, Mandy, uh, Midsummer. Um man that's a that's a that's a rough one. I Oh, oh, well uh so any film by Nicholas Winding or Winding Refn uh Yorgos Lanthimos so I I love Killing of the Sacred Deer um man, the 2010s. Uh I guess The Master, I think The Master is one of my favorite films. Um Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: So last question,
1: and I'll let you go. Do you have any upcoming projects that you can let us in on? Uh, I am writing right now because I'm never making a film by myself again. So <laughs> uh, uh, I do. Uh, so hopefully I can get a couple projects made. I wrote like a little because uh, I don't want to share too much, but I because uh, I always tend to share way too much. So I have two scripts. One of them is. Uh, very heavily influenced by the child abductions that went on in Belgium in the 90s. And then another one is the blurb that I'll give you for that is, it's about an impossibly long shipping container with a touch of cosmic horror. If I can get it made, I would love to give them a, get them made one day. But uh, we'll see. Awesome, uh, so we'll be looking before. out for it.
0: We'll be looking out for it.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Jordan.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: It's been awesome.